Here's Reinman in the Morning, on demand from 1021 and 105.3 The Shark. Please welcome to Reinman in the Morning, the very funny Rachel Feinstein. Rachel, how's it going? Hey, how's it going? It's going all right. How's New York? Does the air still look like Cheeto dust? Uh, yeah, things were rampant for a few days, but it's popped back. We're, we're popping off again. <laughs> well, for a little jack. By the way, my husband, a fireman, just just taking gifting himself with a nice long walk. Oh wow! In the middle of yeah, I was like, where everybody was like, oh, what does Pete say about it? Like he's gonna be the final authority on whether the air is disgusting. And I'm like, are you kidding? He's jogging in it. Like, <laughs> he's like, he's, what, he's like, whatever. I go into active fires. I think I'll just go ahead and eat this toxicity. I'm like, you can't walk, you idiot. No, well, that's like his comfort zone. It's He feels at home. Well, that's a question I have for you is that you're this, a very successful comedian. And as you mentioned, you're married to a New York City firefighter. How did you guys meet? We were set up. I um I was trying to meet men in steakhouses because I heard they hang out at steakhouse bars. Uh-huh. Um, I was in a dark place. And so I was just going to steakhouses after my shows and just sort of oh. like leering at strangers. But then I'd be too frightened to actually talk to anybody. So there was a profound sadness to it. I would just be kind of rocking at a bar, sort of looking longingly at some guy that was trying to enjoy himself at his office party. <laughs> but and then my friend was like, do you want to stop going to steakhouses and I try to set you up? Because this is getting more and more alarming by the day. And I was like, that's fair feedback. And then she's like, I have a, she texted her husband because she's married to a retired firefighter. And she's like, let me see if he has a fireman for you. So people were just te- it probably went off on their like FDNY app. They were just like, "This woman is unwell and she needs a fireman." <laughs> Meanwhile, all the steakhouse people are saying, "I wonder what happened to that girl who used to come around. She might be a vegan now. I, I guess she's a vegetarian." I, don't think I realized. I don't think I realized how actively embarrassing this was. I thought it was like normal. I was like openly telling people, "I'm like, oh yeah, I go to steakhouses to meet men," <laughs> and my friend was like, "Yeah, that's." more shameful than I think you're realizing. But think about it. If you go to places where they eat red meat all the time, then all of a sudden you stop showing up. I mean, you might have influenced some people in a positive way. They might have said, oh my God, remember that girl who was here every night in steak? Like, I think she, I think she, she kicked it, man. I better stop. I better watch my diet. <laughs> so you did help people. Well, what's it like when you guys come home, though? You're a comedian, he's a fireman, and you guys, hey, hey, how's your day at work? How does that conversation usually go? Yeah, he's like, how was your day at work? And then I'm um, like, some lady screamed that I had a camel toe, and I, I, I was on stage. And that's why I dress like a district attorney now, because I was on stage <laughs> in the middle of my show. Oh. Someone was like, you have a camel toe. Oh, my God. So I know, I know. It's hard to just kind of come back to your regular life after that. You need some time to process that moment. Right. Because then I had to stay on stage after she screamed that and <laughs> wonder if I really did. Cause I couldn't look, look down and examine it. It was a, it's a lot. Right. So I come home and I complain about that, you know, some drunk screaming, you have a camel toe. And, and then he, you know, interrupts this really powerful and important pressing story with like, you know, I went to a 1075 private dwelling, four story fire today. And I'm just like, excuse me. I'm trying to tell my camel story. He's <laughs> like, I say, We're I say the real heroes. It's like, I saved this guy, put him over my shoulder, and then he told me I have a camel toe. It's just awful. New York City. <laughs> Tough place. You're getting ready to film another special, right? What can we expect to hear at the show? Uh, sick and wrong. Um, that's what I can expect. <laughs> okay. Don't bring the children. Okay, yeah. Don't bring them. Uh, no, it's like a lot of stories about, I mean, my life has changed a lot since my last special where I was just um, 
like I said, rocking and gulping vodka at a steakhouse bar and staring at strangers. So now I have a marriage and a kid and and uh, a lot more going on. And it's a lot about my life and my my family that's the complete opposite of my husband's family and uh, and all of it, negotiating all of that. You have a child now. How old is the kid? She's two years old. Two years old. No, she's three. Sorry, she just turned three. I just not used to saying that yet. Yeah, she I, just turned three. I know it's weird. My daughter just turned six. It's it's weird to say, but one of the things I remember about you, you're so great at doing voices when you're doing your act. When you read to your daughter, do you do voices when you read like bedtime stories and stuff? Yes, and she goes, "Stop it! No, 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 mama, no." <laughs> she doesn't like she cuts it. Cuts me off. I'm like, "What do you mean? Like, I get paid to do this? How dare you?" <laughs> I'm so insulted. How dare you interrupt my craft when you're doing yeah, that? Yeah, she wants none of it. She's like, no, do it the way, no, do it normal. She's like, less of you, more of the book. And I'm like, okay, I hear you. It's it funny. Hurts, but I hear you. There's, yeah, there's a, there's a character I allegedly do on this show, and uh, it's sort of loosely based on Casey Kasem. And I was watching Ghostbusters with my daughter, and uh-huh. Casey comes into the movie and all of a sudden, she turns to me and she goes, you stole his voice. <laughs> and I said, that is yeah, so guilty. Does she let you do funny voices and when you read to her and stuff? No, she hates it. It's the same thing. Like, she, she gets very upset. And I'll say to her, the reason you have this book right now is because of the voices, Sadie. Um, exactly. Uh, You're well, right. When, is, when did you first realize you were good at impersonating people and doing other people's voices? Uh, I think when I was really little, I did something called, I have a vague memory of doing something called a bagel face. I don't know what that is or means. I just remember like I was kind of getting some, I was getting some attention. I was getting some heat on me in kindergarten. I remember some kid being like, do the bagel face. And I got like a small crowd around me. Oh, wow. And I was like, okay, I can get popularity from this. So I just kept re-bagel facing. Although I also do remember getting like a lot of laughs and junior high school and somebody saying they're laughing at you not with you oh. and that still haunts me <laughs> well that's not <laughs> true Tyro. i know thanks a lot david you tyro oh you still remember the name <laughs> I remember the name that's your like a, it was like a pivotal moment in my life Dave, david how dare you unbelievable uh well who's yeah. your who's your favorite person to impersonate i guess i mean i i think i'd probably talk about my mom and husband the most and they're because they're the people that probably you know most humiliate my mom probably humiliated me the most as a child even though obviously i love her darling karen she's very upset her name is karen because she's really <laughs> liberal she's struggling with that right now right right but, um <laughs> she's like well did you hear <laughs> she's so mad yeah she's like my name is part of the problem that's what she said part of the problem <laughs> <laughs> My name so, is part of the problem. I just part like to, of the problem. I just like having that. She's at a party. She's got one of those "My name is" stickers, and she says "part of the problem" at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> she was devastated when she found out what Karen meant. She's she's not doing well. I've never heard. I haven't heard many comics impersonate their husbands, though. Give me some of your husband. What's he sound my like? Husband, I mean, he calls me big guy. That's why my tour is called Big Guy. <laughs> And doesn't understand why that would bother me. Come on, it's what big gay, you fun, you you big gay. He keeps repitching it to me. Like the third time I hear it, I'll be all in. I'm like, no woman wants to be called big guy. What do you call like a union trucker? 
<laughs> For more info, go to rachel-feinstein.com. Welcome to Reinman in the Morning. Sam Morrill. Sam, how's it going? Hey, there, man. I've been all right. It's good to talk to you. Uh, but before we talk any more comedy stuff, tell me about this podcast you're hosting with Patriots legend Julian Edelman. Uh, yeah, you know, Jewish Illuminati, George Soros. Uh, set it up. Big, uh, good guy to know. No, uh-huh. we just we met we met in the city, and it's uh, like not like many job interviews, you know, where they're just like, hey, do you want to get you want to meet Julian Edelman? And we're just eating burgers and getting drunk. And then I think the follow up meeting was eating pizza and getting drunk. I was like, well, this is like a very New York uh, way of of getting in with him. And you know, it, I think it was just like you guys vibe. You have a good banter, and he's uh, he's easy to riff with because he's such a yeah. He's such a just easygoing guy. And he's, you know, you, I mean, you're a Patriots guy, right? I mean, that, mm-hmm. that humility is like the where he, where he was drafted to where he ended up. I mean, you know, he has a work ethic. You know, you have to be humble to kind of to, to succeed like that. So going in, I, I kind of made some assumptions about him that turned out to be true. What do you guys do? What's the theme? Well, the, the theme is... To, we're on a search to find the greatest game. So it's evergreen. It's, you can listen to it any time. We just are like, what's the, what's the greatest game ever? So we kind of rank games where they, where, you know, where they rank to us. We break down like the stakes, the star power, uh, all that stuff. And then we kind of, we'll get the people who actually played the games on the show. That's the fun part. The really cool ones are the ones where we have a winner and a loser on, which we mm. the 18 and Oh, Patriots losing the Giants. We actually had Eli and Teddy Bruschi on, so that was pretty damn easy to get a guy like Bruschi to, to do that when he's won so many Super Bowls. But right. uh, yeah, that, that one, that's one maybe you should skip. But then, you know, we have, uh, but we had, jeez, uh, I think it was the Tostitos Bowl. I forget the actual game it was, but we had uh, Adrian Peterson and uh, Jared Zabransky on. So that was another cool one. Uh, I mean, that's, that's to me the the coolest part of the show is like how did the game affect you when you lost? Like what did you guys think? A lot of times it's it's a David versus Goliath thing. Right. So if it's that great a game, right? So uh, I mean, yeah, it's we've had some pretty amazing guests. Uh, yeah, you had Paul Pierce on recently. What game did you talk about with Paul? Uh, for that, we kind of made it just the series, the Celtics versus the Lakers. But of course, we talked about. It in depth the wheelchair game where <laughs> yeah. he just adamantly denied pooping his pants that was kind of <laughs> that was a, a big thing where we're like come on you poop and he uh i mean the funniest part was like was that you that know, game yeah i mean that was pretty epic i mean that he uh nick fans always hated but we hate respected pierce you know because mm-hmm. he was because now he's kind of underrated i feel like young yeah. kids don't realize how good pierce was and how clutch he was like but uh, yeah, that's the best part of zooming in some of these athletes is you don't know where they're going to show up on the zoom. <laughs> you're, you're watching a dude with like a joint in his mouth, trying to figure out a, a <laughs> microphone. Yeah. Pierce is smoking chocolate mint hookah by his uh, mansion pool in LA. It's just like, a, <laughs> it's just an interesting way to, uh, you know, to yeah. chat with them. What can they expect to hear you talk about? What's on the tour this time? Well, it's a new it's a new hour, but it's a lot of the same themes, you know. I mean, not a lot's changed in the country, so it's a lot of social commentary stuff, some dating stories, some relationship stuff, and uh, you know, some fun some fun stuff. It's, I, I, it's coming together, you know. It's like we, I've been touring with this for a little while now, so it, 
each week it keeps getting better. That's the funny part is you post where you're going and you get all these angry comments and Instagram. And I'm like, well, I'll be in your city when it's actually good. <laughs> so that's, uh, you know, like in some of these cities I had first, they saw a pretty rough version of this hour, but it, it keeps getting better, I think. Well, you were one of the first comics to produce a special for YouTube, which I thought was like, I'll just say it, it was ballsy. How many views did that first special have now on YouTube? It's over 12 million, which is pretty crazy. That's um, insane. Because I, yeah, well, you know, people say it's ballsy, but to me it was like, I had no other option. I mean, it, it was one of those things where, looking back, thank God HBO turned me down. Because I remember at the time being like, oh my God, HBO said, no, I'm ruined. I was like, hey, it's over. But, and also it seemed like they were going to buy it. But, you know, all the data shows that these HBO specials, uh, you know, I just aren't performing that well. And it's cool. It's a prestige factor. It's HBO. I think that's kind of why. I Actually, Sam, I got to correct you. It's it's Max now. It's HBO is not even Max. HBO. Yeah, it's Max. But, but it was HBO back then. This was like three <laughs> transitions ago. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we, so I was so bummed about that. I just thought I was like, man, I grew up HBO special men a lot. And yeah. so then YouTube was almost like, uh, no one had really, I mean, a few comics had done it, mm -hmm. but I just felt like, uh, man, this is such a good hour. I just want it to be easy to view. I mean, remember promoting half-hour specials and stuff? I remember promoting my Comedy Central special, you know, when it came out. Like, oh, uh, this was the one that Amy Schumer produced for me. And uh, I was like, it comes out at uh, Friday at 11 p.m. And that's <laughs> the only time you can watch it. And yeah. like, I, you feel like insane. <laughs> you feel like a time traveler right. or something, saying that to, to young people. But then... And I'd have all the, the crazy part is so many comics promoted that for me. I was so, you know, uh, grateful for how many comics helped push that. But the thing is, they push it and then it just vanishes. Whereas when you have an actual link, I'm like, I have Bill Burr retweeting this and I'm going to waste that. So I thought yeah. like having a, a link was yeah everything because now people can just say, where do you watch it? And they're like, oh, it's on, it was on Comedy Central. Or where do you watch it? Here's a link right here. Exactly. Like, this is where you watch it. Yeah. It was you just made it, like, how do you consume stuff, right? I mean, you just mm -hmm. think about that. I mean, the, the, the networks are always behind uh, what young people do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or they're trying to outthink them, like they're, and they just totally get it wrong. But you, you have a special on Netflix now, Same Time Tomorrow. That's your latest one. Well, what's the significance of the name Same Time Tomorrow? Well, it's actually an abortion joke. It's a callback. Uh, oh, okay. There's a few callbacks to it. Yeah. Uh, okay. But, uh, <laughs> well, actually, you know what? That's that's not correct. It's not an abortion. It's a it's a masturbation joke. That one. Oh, okay. But well, it, yeah. <laughs> but 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 that joke has a callback later in the uh -huh. in the special as well. And I just thought it was like appropriate because we shot seven shows for that taping. Oh yeah. Because I'm a psycho and I. And also because I just do this every day. It just yep. it just felt like it mm -hmm. meant a lot. Like it does. Same time tomorrow. Is where where I'll be. So yeah. I just thought I like names that just sound like it just sounded right. Yeah. Uh, and all my other specials had like sarcastic compliments, like class actor, positive influence, mm -hmm. or uh, you know, I got this. It was always like a very cocky swag, fake cocky swaggy name, and this one was just more casual. Well, I have to ask you this. In addition to your special, you recently appeared on David Letterman's Netflix series, That's My Time. Had you ever met David Letterman before? No, I hadn't. And I had had friends do Letterman, but, you know, they didn't have this, the experience that I had because, you know, Dave was doing how many shows a week, it, doing stand-up on his show. I mean, looking back, it's so cool, but it, yeah. it, it's not as special as sitting down with him on no. like a rare 
uh, up here. Is I was reading this interview in Judd Apatow's new book with Letterman, where he said he's so bored now as an older guy and not doing the show every day that he would just talk to strangers. Which, like, first off, can you imagine you're like at the gas station and David Letterman just starts like interviewing you? It's insane. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but that's what he does. So I felt that he was excited to work, and when when I met him there, he had actually watched a lot of my stuff. So. Uh, that's something I don't think he would have done if I was just a guest on the show that he does so many shows, you know? So, uh, that was pretty, it was pretty crazy to have Dave call me resourceful. I did a rooftop special during COVID. It was pretty crazy that Dave be like, man, that's so cool. You did that. I can't believe just the creativity. And you're talking to Dave Levis before we went on. He talked to all the comics before. Oh, great. Cause I think he just wanted to make sure we felt cool and comfortable. And he was very, uh, He's very much like, hey, whatever you need to do to make this funny, you can do. St- interrupt me, steamroll me, whatever you need to do. And I said, well, now that I got the green light, I'm I'm doing it. So that <laughs> I just went in very confident. I also I knew we he they they cut a lot of funny moments too, but I liked how they at least used all the stuff that I was like, I oh, please use that, please use that, because yeah. it was two shows. Yep. And uh, I felt like both went really well. I think both. Once the first went well, I was like, now I'm loose and you're playing with house money. And the next one, I killed even harder. Yeah, there you go. I mean, that's so great to hear because, you know, I had Leno on and he was saying that's looking back, that's the highlight of his career was going on Letterman just because Letterman would do that. He would just say, hey, if you want me to be the heavy, I can do it. If you want to go through me, that's fine. But uh, that's so cool to hear. No, he is Letterman. So he so gets it. And uh, yeah, yeah, he's, he's, you realize like this is, a living legend you're talking to. And, sure. uh, he, he made it easy for me. One last thing before we go. Uh, next year, the Eastern Conference Finals, Boston Celtics, New York Knicks. Agree to agree? <laughs> I mean, we got we to gotta make some adjustments for sure. But I, I think, I, yeah, I mean, look, who knows what happens with you guys? Who knows what happens with us? I, I, your team clearly hates each other, yeah. which is kind of weird with all yeah. that talent. Like, you just feel it. It reminds me a little bit of that Clippers team with Chris Paul and Blake Griffin and mm-hmm. and JJ and and uh, DeAndre. All these guys. It, it just. I knew you guys were doomed when Tatum wouldn't stop gushing about how Ime Yudoka is his favorite coach this season <laughs> in an interview. It's like yeah. you, you just don't do that. Yeah. It's like talking about an ex. It's, it's uh-huh. craziness. So, I I, I think Missoula's in over his head. I mean, if yeah. you guys bring in the right coach next year. Like if you guys are able to get a Nick nurse or like a Ooh. Monty Williams quality coach, yeah. then yeah, maybe. But, um, I think the Celtics will always be fine. You guys are just a historic franchise where the Knicks are like, really, we've been building towards this for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I think Jalen Brunson, the best player we've like, truly the best player we've had in like 20 years. Tremendous. I know like people will argue like Carmelo, but I just think Brunson does more for does. the entire team. I just think, and, I, and no disrespect to Melo, he's an incredible player, but Brunson is my favorite Nick to watch since Latrell Sprewell. It's been like almost 25 years. So uh, I think he's he is just special and different. And, you know, I, I think, I hope Randall keeps getting better in, in that moment because uh, we got a lot of young pieces. I think RJ took a big step in the playoffs. I think uh, Quentin Grimes is, is really could be a special player. And I think Josh Hart is like, just a tough dude we need. So I, I love all the moves that Leon Rose in the front office has made. And I, I could see the Knicks Celtics, but don't forget about Milwaukee. They're still going to be there too. So, uh, 
Although I want you, I want you. I have a feeling Giannis is coming here. Don't ask me why. I just got a weird feeling. All right. For more, go to sammorill.com.